look straight, you know, all right? We still, we still, we still have a few masks. I'm, I'm going to wear mine if I wasn't on stage, but I'm um, grateful to have you in the house on this 4th of July weekend. Listen, you have officially crossed over into super saint status. Y'all are super saints. You were, you were just members before. Now, now you are super saints uh, in the house of God on this 4th of July weekend, the 4th 4th of July weekend, 1st 4th of July weekend in, in a year and a half. So... Um, we, we count it an honor to have you in the building. I told my wife, listen, I don't care who shows up. If it's me, you, my kids, and the armor bearers, we're about to have some church in here today. So I'm grateful. We never take your presence for, for granted at all, and we're, we're grateful that you are here. If you have your Bibles, I want you to grab those or something to, uh, your devices, something to write with, something to type on. Um, let's stand together as we read God's Word today. Let's stand together as we read God's word today. I want you to meet me, if you would, in Joshua, the 21st chapter. Joshua, the 21st chapter. To all of our visitors, we're grateful that you're here. Again, we're, uh, our house is your house, so take off your shoes, kick up your feet, um, go in the refrigerator. We're all good with it. You are a guest uh, in our house, and uh, Today, you're a part of the family, so we're grateful that you are here. Joshua 21, 43. Joshua 21, 43. And it reads, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had swore to give their ancestors. In fact, turn these lights up a little bit. I don't trust people I can't see. All right, they said, turn me up a little bit. Turn me up. Thank you. Joshua 21, 43. It says, so the Lord gave Israel all the land he swore to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he swore to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Right before you take your seats, I want you just to shout rest. Sit down. I think I'll sit with you. there were a picture of where I am um, at the moment this would be a snapshot of it not in my effort or my activity I'm, I'm, I'm working I'm, I'm functional um, I still check in to work on time and leave late um, so there's effort and activity, but this is the posture, not of my effort and activity, but instead my mentality, my internal posture. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm at rest. I, I invite you to, to, to join me. I mean, not physically. I, I don't want you to, to, to come try to jump on the lazy boy and get that time. But, but I invite you into what, what, what I'm feeling, my, my internal posture. Though I'm here, please don't get it twisted. I didn't start here. <laughs> I wasn't here three weeks ago. Um, but while on the verge of entering into a new season, I almost missed the lesson of the season I was stepping out of. And might I add, the season I was gladly stepping out of. Anybody glad? I know there's still challenges and difficulties and misunderstandings, but, but things are changing. I mean, things are not normal yet. But there is some semblance of normalcy. I mean, things are not normal yet, but I can go into a restaurant and have a meal. Things are not normal yet. Not too many people there, but I can go to the movie theater and, and see a movie with Dolby digital surround sound. I mean, things are not normal yet, but I can gather in the house of God to give God praise. I'm so, was so sick of talking to cameramen and women Four people in a room trying to preach. Retake that. Retake it. I had 25 takes. They were tired of me. I was tired of them. I wanted to see some real people. <laughs> well, stepping out of this season, that's, I was on the verge of stepping out of this season and preparing to go back into the house of God. I began to find myself worrying. Anybody, you, you, I thought that it would bring relief, but it actually did something different. As I began to think about going back into life as I once knew it, I, I began to find myself worrying. Worrying, don't have time to go through the exhaustive list, but do I have any people that would swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth real quick? Anybody else have a low-grade anxiety or just worried a little bit as you begin to try to put the pieces back together and think about what it would look like to go back into what you came out of. Any recovering warriors in the house? I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. I, I begin to worry about, about, about how to make something happen. Anybody there? I'm coming out. I'm, we've got to make something happen. I begin to worry about how to make something happen. I'm worried about how to sustain momentum. Shoot, how to create momentum. After we've been at home watching online, now let's be honest, come on. I was going to say every week, y'all ain't been watching every week. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about, you know, our good members were one, once a month members. Come on, come on, come on, just be honest with me. Y'all be honest with me, come on. I, I know, I know it was between me and, yeah, I'm your pastor, but, you know, Mike Todd was in rotation, you know, and Bishop, Bishop Jakes is in rotation. It's cool. I love it. Now, hear me, but you about a once-a-month Antioch member, but it's cool. You still gave, gave here. I appreciate that. <laughs> Somebody told me, Pastor, I'm sending, I'm sending my contribution to make sure everything stays afloat through this pandemic, but here's who I'm watching. I'm like, watch on, watch on. It's cool. 
began to find myself again, thinking about how to sustain momentum, how to catch up on lost time. I asked myself the question, uh, if my efforts, I asked, would my efforts be enough in an evolving human landscape? What the future would hold, what the future of life now looks like, what the future of ministry would be, what the future of relationships would look like. How has this reorchestrated the architecture of your relationships? I don't know about you, but there's been a reshuffling of the deck. If I had time to to walk through that, I would walk through that. Uh, Just give folks a little bit of grace because in this season, we lost the rhythm of relational reciprocity. In other words, there are times where in the church service or amongst friends where I'm up and you're down. And as long as I'm up and you're down, I can pull you up. There are other times where you're down and I'm up or, or whatever it is. You understand what I'm saying? One of us is up. One of us is down. But there is a balance and a counterbalance as we come together in a circle. But what do you do when everyone is nursing their own pain? Everyone is nursing their own wounds. Everyone finds themselves in the same struggle. And you're expecting them to pull you up. You're expecting them to call and check on you. You're expecting your prayer partner to say, hey, you were just on my mind and I want to lift up a prayer before the Lord. And it did not happen. Listen, don't take it personally. The same pain you were nursing, this is the first time in our life that everyone was nursing The same pain, dealing with the same stress, weathering the same challenges, trying to make sense of their life and their family and their relationships and their career and their future. Everyone was in the same place. The rhythm of relational reciprocity was was broken at that moment. Relationships, whether or not This nightmare of a year, or for some, three years, was really over. We we were worried about, I found myself worried about what the future really held. And right in the middle of me getting back up for grind mode. Anybody there, build yourself up. Oh, it's on now. They're opening stuff up. Grind mode. And often it's the perception of grind. Can I just really talk to you about it? I mean, the same people that are posting stuff, I know them. <laughs> oh, it's back on. It's on. I'm living. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill it. I'm hustling. Hustle hard. Hustle. I mean, you were playing Xbox. I saw you. It's a perception, but, but the perception that things are back on the move creates a drive in all of us. Of us. And nothing wrong, wrong with being productive, nothing wrong with a drive, but it's this perception that I'm going to be behind and I've got to catch up and I've got to make sure that I'm relevant. You have to make sure that your voice is heard amidst multiple voices. And right in the middle of grind mode, and brooding over all the possibilities, all the must-dos. Anybody have any must-dos? All the must-dos to keep it cracking. In the middle of all that, the Lord reminded me that I didn't get through this last year because I was amazing. 
I did not get through this last year because I was driven. I didn't get through it because I was brilliant. I didn't get through it even. Here we go. I'm going to confess. I'm not usher, but these are my confessions. I did not get through this even because I was that faithful. And I appreciate y'all saying, Pastor, thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for getting us through this. Thank you for being a leader that pushed when everything else around us fell. What you didn't know is I was crying the same tears you were crying. I was depressed the same times that you were depressed. I experienced anxiety in the same way that you experienced anxiety. I was stressed about the same things. You were stressed about the stuff that was happening in your household was happening in my household. But in the midst of all that, it wasn't because of what I did as I look back over my shoulder and look at 2020, it wasn't because I was good, but is there anyone who knows you got through last year because you were carried? Is there anybody in this house who realizes that it wasn't because I was that faithful, but God carried me? There are times where I didn't feel like I could go on, but I was carried by the Lord. Was there, is there anybody else in this place that was carried? Yeah, carried. Carried. Carried through the pain, carried through the uncertainty, carried through the loss of direction, carried through the broken relational architecture of our lives. We were carried by the Lord. The Lord reminded me of the lessons of the wilderness. He reminded me of the lessons of the wilderness. Yeah, there's some lessons from the wilderness. He reminded me of the lessons of the wilderness. Because their essence, say essence, their, their essence was to be brought into our presence. I promise you I'm going to get to the rest in a minute. There were lessons, God, I feel this, in the wilderness. And the lessons in the wilderness were not to be left in the wilderness. But the lessons of the wilderness were to be brought into our present circumstance on the verge of getting back into it. Only people kids in that car, they don't get into it. <laughs> Forgive me. Here the children of Israel have gone into the promised land. God has given them victory over all their enemies. They're at the end of their journey. They are back into it, and they look at their lives. And as they look at their lives, the Bible declares that God gave them peace on every side. He gave them, follow me, he says, rest. Say rest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's all kind of implications we'll get into in the weeks to come, but I want to just set this up for the weeks to come. He gave them rest on every side, but they did not move into rest without understanding the blessing of the wilderness. Because God rarely takes you from Egypt, your past place, into Canaan, your future place, or your destiny, what you've been praying for, without there being a wilderness in between both of those realities. And most of us cry about the wilderness, we complain about the wilderness, we're frustrated in the wilderness, but there is a purpose in the wilderness. And if you don't get the lesson in the wilderness, like the children of Israel, who are 11 days away from their destination, they walked around this wilderness wilderness for 40 years even though they were only 11 days away from their destination. Why? Because they didn't get the lesson fast enough. 
Now, I don't know about you. I've walked around this last few years long enough. I want to make sure I get the lesson. I have my notepad. I, I'm usually, I'm not the star student. That's some of y'all. That's my wife. She's a star student. I used to sit in the back. But on this one, I'm on the front row. I have my tape recorder on. I'm taking notes that are going to be on the test. I'm listening to the professor and every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord because I don't want to miss the lesson in the wilderness and have to go through another cycle or another circle. It may not be a global pandemic, but it may be a frustrated situation. Whatever it is, whatever way it comes from. I don't want it. I do not want to go around in circles another day in my life. As God is bringing us into a new place, there were lessons along the way in the wilderness. And the goal of the wilderness was to bring the essence of those lessons into my present. I wish I had time to work this, but uh, this is the service I got, have to be timed with. Yeah, 11 o'clock, I, I just keep them there until the parking $15. I don't know who's going to be there this week. <laughs> we were having church so long, I said, nobody's coming back next week, man. That parking was $28. <laughs> Yours two hours free, you straight. But there are two lessons in the wilderness, and here they are. Lesson number one. There are two governing words God gave me in our wilderness that came to pass. I don't have time to labor through it. Go back and look at the record. But number one, the first day that we went into this global pandemic and we didn't know what was going on, we were just going into a building campaign. We had more financial obligation than any other time in the life of our ministry. With all cylinders firing, we needed to make sure that we were on top of it. But right one month, I mean, one month before our grand opening, we go into a global pandemic. We could no longer meet. Hey. There I am. We, we could no longer meet. One month before, we went into our building, global pandemic, and I stood, the Lord gave a word, I stood before the folks, or I stood before the studio audience, <laughs> and I said, God said like Elijah, he is moving, he is transitioning us from the brook to the widow's house. And though it looks like a step down, you, we, he went from abundance where water came to him and ravens brought food, room service before there were hotels. He sat there and God gave him abundance, but then God said he'll allow the brook to dry up. He moved him to the widow's house, and now that he's at the widow's house, I mean someone who was at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, I'm sure Elijah, if he was the more righteous man, would have been cussing all the way to the widow's house. You mean to tell me you're taking me from the rich Carlton, the Four Seasons, right now to a widow's house? On Skid Row, are you, are you serious, God? I'm your servant. I've been faithful the entire time. God's ordering his steps toward the widow's house. I'm sure he was asking himself the question, why would God take someone so faithful to a wilderness season? But I shared with you before that year ever broke, before we ever fully went into quarantine, in the same way, though it looks like we're going down, it looks like we're going backwards, God's going to give the same abundance. He's not going to give overwhelming blessing, but he 
he's going to give incremental blessing. I wish I had time to work this like I want to. I learned how to praise God not only for abundant blessing, but also for incremental blessing. I thank God for every six-figure check I've received, but I also thank God for the time that I was in Atlanta and on the toll road and was out of money and out of opportunities to get through the toll and reached in my pocket, found the 50 cent that someone told me to keep as I was a front desk clerk at the Sheraton Suites Galleria. They bought some cigarettes, told me to keep the change, thought I was stuck in the middle of this toll road, but reached in my pocket and remembered it wasn't more than I needed, it wasn't less than I needed, it's the 50 cents I needed to get through this toll. Is there anybody in the house who can thank God for the big, overwhelming blessing, but know how to thank him for every incremental, every tiny, every small blessing that was just what you needed to get you to where you were going. If this is 11 o'clock, I'll do a praise break right there, but I can't. I got to keep going. Your parking's going to be free today. Listen to me. God says, I'm going to look out for you. And last year, I don't know how it happened, I was looking at the giving every single week, and we were 25, 30% down, and nobody gave any amazing gifts, overwhelming gifts to get us to where we are. But when we got to the end of the year, somehow, don't know how, somehow, don't know how, somehow, don't know how. But it was slightly higher than any other year we've had in the history of the church. I don't, I don't know how. Don't, don't know how. God said he would do it. And he did it. Didn't he do it? Listen. Number two, in the wilderness, when everything stopped, the Lord told me that not only would he give or take care of every one of our needs, but number two, the Lord told me again, the Lord told me to wait. There's a divine now coming. He said, don't go into striving. Don't go into anything. Don't, 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 don't use your resource because it looks like everyone else is using their resource to meet needs. He said, really ask people what the needs are. And what's funny is not only did God bless the house, there were less benevolent requests than any other year in the history of Antioch in the middle of a pandemic. Doesn't make sense. And I had friends that looked and said, oh, uh, things are, they, Wayne's not doing anything out there. Hey, are, are they still relevant? Are, they didn't realize I was being governed by a word from the Lord. And the, the Lord said, there is divine now coming. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Not yet, not yet. I know you want to put something on social media that the church is doing, but not yet. I know that you want to do something. I want you to take some funds and make it look like you're relevant. He said, not yet. The last two weeks of the year, God sent a global opportunity, a global partnership where, listen to me, we received Four, we have a, a, a hefty role to play in it financially. But, but the benefit far outweighs the, the, the contribution. Listen to me. Four to $600,000 of new quality goods come through our church. Listen to me. 
every single month. Now, now listen. I could have depleted every resource just passing out food baskets. The Lord said, no, there's divine now coming. I know you can't see it on the surface, but I'm going to send something that's going to make any effort you could have lifted in this time look like you were spitting in the wind. I had to be governed. I had to stay. I had to stay there. Believing God will do it. He waited until the last two weeks of the year. He may not come on. He may not come when you want him. My God, he made me wait all the way. <laughs> I mean, my God. The last two weeks, God stepped in, breathed breath of life, and gave an opportunity. Listen to me. That if, 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 if. The top three churches in this country exhausted all their mission funds. They still couldn't have pulled some of that stuff off. God said, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Not yet, now. So he, he said this. We'll, we'll wrap this up. I didn't get halfway through. But it's all right. We'll get there one day. We have a lifetime. There are two words I received in this wilderness. Number one, that God was going to give us abundance continually. Number two, that he was sending a divine now. It came in the form of that partnership. I learned in the wilderness, lessons from the wilderness, that God is good. I learned in the wilderness that God is our legit source. I know you say that in songs, but no, no, I learned in the wilderness that God is our legit source, my source, that we live not on bread, but by every word that comes, every word we respond to. God can change your circumstance in a word. I learned in the wilderness. God will change everything in a word. The wilderness we're emerging from was meant to produce two outcomes. And I promise I'm going to get to the rest. I'm going to get there. Two outcomes. Number one. It was to detach us from something. Wildernesses are meant to detach us. You fill in the blanks. Y'all smart. This is AP class. 11 o'clock, I got to do a lot of explaining. But think about every trial, every challenge, every wilderness you've gone through in your life. Wilderness is always meant to detach you from something, to break you free from something. You would have still been in that crazy relationship if there wasn't a wilderness. God, I wish I had time. You still would have been in that job where they're abusing you if there was not a wilderness. You still would have been in that circle of friends that smiled in your face when you were there. Hey, what's up, girl? But you knew they were talking about you as soon as you left. That's why you want to be the last one to leave and the first one there because you didn't want to give them time together without you. But then God exposes some stuff, and then the wilderness moves you into wilderness. Wildernesses are not fun, but wildernesses are meant to detach you from some things. <laughs> but also wildernesses, they're not only meant to detach you from some things, they're also meant to prepare you for other things. Wildernesses are meant to detach, but also to prepare you for something. Now, here's the text. The children of Israel, before they get into this promised land, before God gave them rest on every side from all of their enemies, before he fulfilled every single one of their promises, his promises, they had to, he had to groom their hearts for what he was leading them into. He takes them from Egypt, through the wilderness, into the promised land. 
from Egypt to the wilderness and into the promised land. As the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the wilderness was meant to disconnect them from Egypt and to prepare them for their promised destination, which was Canaan. It was meant to detach, say detach, and to prepare. Say prepare. Now listen to me. As they were in this wilderness, walking through this wilderness, it was to detach them from Egypt and to prepare them for where they were going. It was Canaan. Can I give you the message we're here for today and, I'm, and, and let you go home? All right, here we go. Egypt does not simply represent what I've always made it represent or what I've always suggested it represent. From a the theological standpoint, Egypt is, Egypt is the world, the world system, follow me, and them being in bondage to sin, right? Their promised land is where God ultimately wants them to go. It is their destiny. It is their destination. But in between Egypt and the wilderness, I mean, and the destination, there is a wilderness. The wilderness, as they're walking through the wilderness, is to get them to detach from sin, to detach from the world system, and to step into, through this process, wilderness of sanctification, to prepare them to move into the promise, which is salvation, ultimate salvation, right? Theologically. That's why there's so many parallels. They come out of sin, come out of Egypt, and they pass through the Red Sea. As they pass through the Red Sea, they walk over on dry land, get to the other side, and the sin that tries to pursue them or the Egyptian soldiers that tried to pursue them get washed away in the Red, red Sea. They step into a new place. You see the parallel? I, Christ my Savior, I come out of sin. He sanctifies me. He not only washes me with his blood, but I experience baptism. We go through the water in the same way they went through the water. And as we go through the water and as Christ becomes our Savior, we move from the world, the world system, as a slave to sin, into now a process where we're made clean, washed clean, forgiven. But in the wilderness is the process of becoming more like Christ. In the wilderness is the process of, listen to me, being sanctified, causing me to detach from the geography. But here's what I found. You can move from a geography but carry the mentality from that geography into your new place. So God keeps a wilderness in between the two. And I love that. That's why I always preached it. But I saw something else when I looked at this. As I looked at this passage, I found that I've always looked at this through the lenses of my sin consciousness and not through the lenses of my freedom consciousness. Because there's a different narrative weaved into the fabric of this text. And I'm going to let you go if I look at it not through my sin consciousness, but through my liberation and freedom consciousness. Are you still with me? I promise you. I'm going to get to the rest. I promise you, rest is coming. This is much deeper than I realized when I didn't simply see it through the lenses of my sin consciousness, but my freedom consciousness. This is, for y'all up there, this is much deeper 
This was meant to illustrate one of the deepest and most foundational truths God desires for his children. And it is. Almost done. What do I mean? He detaches them from Egypt and says, leave Egypt in Egypt. He detaches them from 2020, I mean, sorry, Egypt. Wilderness. And he says, he says, he says, I want you to leave that there. I'm taking you somewhere. And because I'm taking you somewhere, you can't bring the old mentality into a new place. And we've assumed that the old mentality or them being in bondage in Egypt was simply sin. But no, 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 there's something much deeper, something more profound, something that even originates before sin. Back in the garden. In fact, before the garden, in creation. Egypt, wilderness, rest. Come back next week. But God's trying to give someone rest. Listen to me. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Rest spiritually. There's some of us that are burnt out and done. There are people that are not in not only ministry, but not walking with God any longer because they have a bad theology, one of works, where they're continuing to work in order to try to please God. They're continuing to work in, in order to try to gain salvation. They're trying to exchange their good deeds for the salvation of God. And unconsciously is wearing them down because even in their faith, they are living a works-based Faith. God is good to me. God is kind to me. God's going to bless me because I did everything perfectly. And that will wear you down. If there's anything that will take your rest, it's not bringing rest into your theology. Realizing that you don't have a taskmaster. You don't have a slave driver. You don't have a pharaoh that is sitting up in heaven telling you to build bricks with no straw. You have a heavenly father who loves you. Imagine how you love your kids infinitely beyond the way you love your kids. And most of us are striving to please. We're performing before God and we're worn down in our lives. We're worn down in our faith. We're worn down in our expressions. We have nothing left. We're frustrated and don't know why because God has not brought you into a faith of works. He's brought you into a faith of <sighs> rest. This is the rest he wants not only in our faith, but this is the rest he wants in our relationships. Yeah. There's so many of us striving. Striving to prove something. Striving to be something. To the people around us. To the friends around us. To our family. And you can never be enough. Even if in their eyes, sometimes in your own eyes, you feel as if you could never be enough and you leave this place. You smile when you come here, but you go home and you jump back on the treadmill. You're performing because if you don't stop performing, things are going to fall apart. If you don't stop performing, you feel like your spouse is going to leave you. If, if you don't stop performing, you feel like your kids are going to be a failure and they're, they're never going to go anywhere. If you saw my SAT score, half the credit I got was just for my spelling my name right. But God worked it out. You're performing. Constantly, 
you're working in every one of your relationships. You're working when you have to build yourself up to meet with your group of friends. Your group of friends is supposed to relax you when you go hang out with them. But you're, 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 you're working yourself up to perform when you go and hang out with your friends. Friends, to try to sound profound like you have it all together. To try to be the life of the party and try to be fun. And you're not even fun. You're an introvert, not an extrovert. Why are you trying to be? You read a book on extroverts and now you're trying to be an extrovert. You, you read a book on how to, to stop the show when you walk into a party. Now you're walking in pointing fingers and you go to the bathroom just for a breather. In your relationships, you're, you're, you're working. And God says, God says, I'm trying to bring some rest. In your purpose. Some of y'all, some of us. Some of us. Yeah, I'm not just shepherd. He's the shepherd. I'm sheep too. I'm shepherd sheep. <laughs> you may catch it. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, yo, this is what we need, y'all need to do. It's like, me too. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got, I got some, anybody like me teaching but got some sheep too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you, you sing your song, but you got some sheep. Yeah, I saw you teach your lesson, sister, such and such. Yeah, I heard you, Bishop Flip Flop, but, but you got some sheep in you. All right, what, I have no clock. What time is it? Oh, shoot. All right, as we close. I have to get the illustration so I won't be messed up for two services. All right, real quick. Here, here's what I want you to see. What is Egypt? Egypt is not just sin. It's not just the world system. It's the world's way of doing things. But here's what Egypt is. In Egypt, they, they built bricks. They labored. They had a taskmaster, Pharaoh, that told them that they need to build bricks. They need to build structures. They went to bed and woke up constantly laboring, constantly fixing. And when Moses came in the narrative and tried to free him, he said, just because you came, I'm going to really turn it up. I'm going to have them build bricks, and I'm not even going to give them any straw to build the bricks with. I'm going to expect the same thing, but I'm going to have them get their straw and their bricks themselves. Moses, big mouth, and the people got mad. Like, Moses, why don't you say something? We're cool being slaves, man. Shut up. We don't want to be free. We just want to get home on time. And they're building, building, building. God says, I'm liberating you from some things. The liberation was not simply from bondage, from the world, or from sin. That's the parallel, but don't miss the thread that runs through this. No, 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 my friend, my friend, no, no, no. He was delivering them from, follow me, brick labor. Oh, no, don't get it twisted. They still have labor in the promised land. But it's a different kind of labor. In Egypt, when God says, I'm delivering you, please see the narrative that's before, the sin narrative that started all the way at creation. He says, I'm delivering you from building brick. I got to give you the CNN headline news version, Cliff Notes. Here we go. Listen fast. There is no place in the Bible where you see something that God built that is built with bricks. Nowhere. 
There is nowhere, as, as God talks about Jesus being the chief corner. Oh, no, it's stone, not brick. As they built the temple, the temple, they carved natural stone at what was called the quarry, made sure all the parts aligned, that's another message next week, and fit together so that when they got to the temple, they walked over to the temple and all of the pieces fit together, all the joints fit together because they were prepared at the quarry, not from brick, but from stone. Because stone is a natural thing that they worked in carving, which speaks of partnership with God, using the grace God gives, using the material God gives, using the blessing God gives, and working with God to accomplish what God wants to build. But bricks are not natural stone. Bricks represent, that's why you never see God building anything with bricks in the Bible. Bricks represent what is constructed, what is put together, what is built by men in their own human efforts. Are you still here with me? So the challenge I have in this life is I'm always, as I'm going into a new place, between brick and the chair in my mind, between brick and the chair in my heart, between brick and the chair in my efforts, between brick Egypt and the chair, promised land. Are you still here with me? In my relationship. Between brick and the chair in my contribution to the world. And we live in a brick-laying world where if God is taking too long, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to put this together. I'm going to kick the door down. I'm going to make my own connection. I'm going to make my own way. I know that this is grieving my spirit, but I'm still going to step into this relationship. I know this is not what God's building, but God's taking too long. I'm going to move into my own self-sufficiency because sometimes God waits until the last minute before he sends a breakthrough which makes us feel that the breakthrough ain't coming. Are you still here with me? So the attack of the enemy is always to get you to short circuit what God is doing to try to build your stuff your way for yourself. And here is the trick. We see Jesus, even as he's being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he says, devil says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. If you just bow down to me real quick, he, just, just take this brick. Let's make a little brick deal real quick. If you bow down to me, he says, I'll give you everything that you see. Jesus looks and says, no, I'm living in rest. Not that I'm not active, not that I'm not doing anything, but the stuff I'm doing is the stuff that the Father has called me to do. I don't get up from my position. I don't get up from my place because of what you're doing, because of what you have going on in your lane. I can apply you from my chair. But if it ain't for me, that ain't for me. I'm waiting on the thus saith the Lord because here's what I know. When I stand up and God says stand up, when I build and God says build, I can expect the blessing of all of heaven to back my move. Are you still here with me? And there have been some of us that have been laboring in a brick existence. And here's what I found about bricks. Here's what I found about bricks. It's what's constructed, what's built by man. And listen to me. 
if, if it's not what comes from God, listen to me, I cannot deal with bricks and expect God to back it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't deal with bricks and expect God to back it. And here's what I found. When I live a brick-building life, oh, Pharaoh is a cruel and unusual taskmaster. You think the more I do, the more success I get. You think the more I do, the more fulfillment I have. You think the more I do, the more things will begin to align. But what you'll find is, no, you work your behind off, then he'll double down and tell you, I need you to do the same thing with no straw now. So it doesn't get easier becomes more complex, becomes more difficult, it becomes more challenging. And here he is, here's a temptation for all of us as we go back into world, world, as we go back into ministry, as we go back into entertainment, as we go back into business, as we go back, as the world comes back, the temptation is, all right, y'all, come on, come on, come on. No, it's not that we're not productive, it's just that we build with stone. What's building with stone? It's, it's where God prepares the stone, we're laboring with God. They are in this promised land. They're still working with God. But in the wilderness of the, the Egypt is Pharaoh's mandate. In the promised land where God carries, or the wilderness where God carries them, it is God's provision. In Canaan, it is a partnership between us and God. In Canaan, we still have activity, but our activity is like Jesus had his activity, and he did it in the rest. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing in heaven. Jesus is activity, which is in rest. He said, whenever I get a revelation of my Father desiring, that's what I carry out here on earth. Jesus was doing miracles. Jesus was healing. Jesus was preaching. Jesus was serving. Jesus was building. But Jesus was building from a place of rest. Obedience to the Father and carrying out his every action. For some of you, you've been laboring. You're tired? Yeah, I know. You're worn out? You're trying to kick doors open that won't open? You're giving more effort? Twice the effort for half the result? But can I give you a little hack, a life hack real quick? Some of the biggest things that have happened in my life did not come from laying brick. Some of the doors that opened that people thought I was hobnobbing and I was trying to make it happen didn't come from that. No, no, no. Some of the greatest things that have ever taken place in my life, in fact, I don't know a great thing that's ever come in my life that did not come from this posture, that did not come from this position. Because, listen, this position states that I know my God is real. This position states that I know my God is the source. This position states that he is the grand orchestrator and composer. This position is a position of faith because while we say out of our mouth we love the Lord and we worship the Lord we listen to the Lord and serve the Lord we live as if nobody's coming but us but from this place God has opened up doors ain't no need forgive the English for both of us to be up. And the Bible declares the Lord sleeps, does not sleep, nor does he slumber. And if he's up, I may as well rest. 
No need me crying and he's working. It may not come when I wanted it, but I know I'm a guy. I got lessons from the wilderness. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but he gave resource. I didn't know how we were going to do it, but he sent what I couldn't have brokered myself. But it all came from a place of rest. The Lord invites you. And somebody come, whoever's coming, come on, come now. Because I feel like the offering may be too long or whatever I'm going to say. The invitation may be too long, but... Don't touch him, but look at him.